Yeah, so any any time relationship can be built and done so in a way that it's in front of your kids, with your mm-hmm. kids involved, mm-hmm. not just your kids making friends with people that don't look like them, but you doing it. it. It has to start with the parents and then the kids just naturally follow. It doesn't even really need to be a real conversation. It's, that's just what they know. Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. Hey, everybody. It's Nikki. Welcome to Culture Coach Podcast. I'm so glad that you're with me today. Uh, Today, I have uh, my good friend Becky Henry with me talking about, um, actually not quite sure what I'm going to call this yet, but what, when I sent it to her, I said, I want you to talk about raising a multiculturally minded and socially conscious child. How about that, y'all? How's that, how does that feel? So that's what we're going to talk about today, and we'll see where the conversation goes so that our listeners have some context. Um, Hannah is, how old is Hannah again? She's four. She'll be five in July. Okay. Hannah is four going on five. And when I was chatting with you, I mean, I tell you this all the time that I, Hannah is a, uh, just a decent human being <laughs> overall, just even, even as a four slash five year old, right? Um, she, she's, I like being around your kid. Um, she's just a, a nice human being, right? But it has been such a, a joy to watch you parent her and to hear how you talk about her experiences and, and even curating her experiences as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and Michael have been so intentional with her that I'm, I'm curious if you could share um, a, maybe like where this even came from. Uh, was this in you before you were, uh, before you were a mom? Did it happen? You know, once she showed up, is it like, where did that come from? And then can you talk about a couple of strategies that you use, you and Michael use, um, to be raising this, uh, this phenomenal human? Well, thank you. First of all, (laughs) good parenting Um, girl. Thank you. So it definitely was in our mind before she was born when we got married we bought a house the same year we got married which was before hannah was born we purposely chose a county that is intentionally diverse we chose an area that had a school district that's very diverse Um, the local church communities were diverse that was very very intentional Um, we wanted that for ourselves but since we knew we wanted children it was really important to us that her neighbors wouldn't look like her Um, whereas, like I said, growing up, my neighbors were all white. I didn't really know any other culture until I was in school. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want her to have to wait, you know, five years to really get to know people that are different. 
Um, so that was definitely one of our intentions. Um, I don't know if we really talked about it a whole lot beyond that until she was born. Um, we were very active in a church that was intentionally multicultural. That was really important to us. Um, so it already was kind of part of who we were. Um, and Hannah was born almost a year after we were married. So um, it all it all kind of, I feel like it was all kind of happening at the same time. It was important to Michael and I, but the like the culmination of all of it and we know when you have a kid and you start to raise them I mean they're just like little mirrors everything you do they do right back at you and it's amazing and terrible all at the same time <laughs> and so it just makes you more it makes you very self-aware um of what you say and how you act and there's a difference between you know, like the whole practice what you preach thing. There's a difference between telling them this is what we should do and this is what's fair um, and actually doing it. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is books and reading. Um, TV shows kind of come along with that, but, you know, being able to choose the right kind of entertainment. But I don't, there's something about books to me. Uh, books are always important to me growing up. So I think I just kind of put that on Hannah too. <laughs> Um, but we very purposely have always read her books that it's, it's kind of a, um, there's two main types of books we always want to include. One are books that talk about different cultures and differences, um, and highlight them and, you know, make sure that she knows that there's other people, they live in different parts of the world, maybe, um, they might speak different languages, but then also, the other kind of books are the ones that it's just a regular story and it just happens to have, for example, a black girl as the main character and it has nothing to do with her culture or her skin, but it's just, this is normal too. Like this can be a book that has nothing to do about what she looks like, but she just happens to be the main character. Um, and growing up, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. So growing up, I don't remember, I, honestly, I can't think of a single book off the top of my head that I loved that had a non-white character as, as the main character. There were sidekicks. Um, and same with TV shows, you know, cartoon shows. And um, so, so those two things are really important to us, that we were showing her through books, different cultures that when they were represented well, but then also books that had nothing to do with it. And just because it normalizes it, it makes it, you know, then it's not even... It's not even a thing. And there's actually a funny story. So there's this one book that I found at Target and it was called Princess Hair. And so I knew she would love it because it's all, so pretty much the entire book, it's all black girls and all their different hairstyles, which cool. I, don't, I don't know anything about other than like yeah. what I've asked my friends. Like clearly, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but every page has um, a different hairstyle and it rhymes and it's really cute. And it'll just say something fun about like the, the um, black girl's hairstyle and um, just something they like to do. Like, like one would be like, you know, girl, uh, print, they're all called princesses. So it'd be like princesses with fro hawks love to rock. And it's all these black girls with fro hawks and they're like playing in a rock band and whatever. So Hannah loves this book because it's princesses and she loves the different hair and all the girls are wearing pretty dresses and it's colorful and she loves it. And there's nothing like, I don't even know if she's like really connected that these aren't white girls and it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, 
but a funny story was so one of these pages talks about nappy hair and mm -hmm. i <laughs> and i always thought that that wasn't a compliment um that in fact it was an insult i didn't know and i went to a couple of friends that i have who happen to be african-american women and i asked them about that page <laughs> i was like so is that and they basically told me and maybe you can speak to this your opinion but they basically told me um that you know if if you're if you're a black woman and you're calling your your hair nappy that's one thing but like as a white girl we shouldn't be like i love your nappy hair <laughs> yeah i i would have to agree with that and i would also say at least in my experience that it's still used very sparingly yeah you know um yeah because it it doesn't it's not necessarily a good thing you yeah. know like if your hair is nappy it means that like oh it's time to get the get your hair done you know yeah. right <laughs> it's a little rough right yeah so mm. it was but that was good to know because that was also a learning experience for me mm. to learn that um unless i've done research about the author the book might have only been meant for black girls right you know, it might not have right. it might not have been meant for everybody maybe there are some things that we would read or talk about and so like i kind of since because she's still a little young and i don't want to have to get too much into that yet but i do i kind of like purposely skip that page she doesn't notice mm -hmm. just because i don't want her to start saying that to like some of her friends in class and then the mom comes right, to me she like, shows oh, up at school and she's like hey you have nappy hair like oh yeah. no oh, that's not, I'm not that person too far there was that line and we crossed it right there <laughs> wow that's so cool i, I love yeah. what you're saying about um just normalizing things as well which is so important and a couple a couple of thoughts come to mind for me one is that i love the idea that you picked that book and you didn't have to you know like that's that's the thing right with um when you are a part of majority culture of any kind that you know you could have just as easily unintentionally right picked up a book that you know was probably more um out in front and easier to find and you know because of the way that things are marketed but that you grab this sure. book because i think sometimes when it comes to race people if you've been in a monocultural environment for so long you're actually scared to start talking about race about shining a spotlight on people because of race and thinking about it because you think it will make it worse and what actually happens is it starts to normalize it so I, I just think that's an interesting thing about normalizing that um, even your daughter will know that um, that's just a normal part of life to see all kinds of people doing all kinds of things, which is yes. really cool. Yeah. And um, another thing that I've, I didn't realize until maybe about a year ago, um, you know, there, there's all these books and, and cartoons and you know these days you could watch anything you know all the different streaming platforms and networks and youtube and apps and whatever um but i've realized that you can find a lot of shows where they where the characters are different but it's not usually but in these shows it'll have they'll all be different animals for example so it won't be like white black indian hispanic it'll be you know an owl i mean like well like winnie the pill right so you have a bear and a tiger and a rabbit and whatever and they're all different and that's great but it also doesn't reflect reality so i don't know if and i don't know but 
I don't know if kids really connect with that other than, I mean, maybe specific episodes that talk about very specific differences, but unless it's something a kid can really see themselves in that creature. Um, but it almost, to me, it almost feels like it's playing it safe. Like, yes, we're all different, but like, we're not going to worry about really dealing with any culture stuff at all. Let's just have different animals. Mm. So when there are shows that have like very specifically here are different cultures and, and, you know, differences can go across the board with family structure, gender, whatever. Um, but speaking specifically about cultures, you know, I, I try to find those shows or the books um, that have actual like real life cultures or, um, or characters that reflect real people um, or historical books. Um, like there's a whole series called Little People Change the World, I think. Ordinary People Change the World by Brad Meltzer, and his books um, are are historical. They'll talk about, they'll have like one book all about Martin Luther King and his whole life, and then one about um, Amelia Earhart, and then um, Sacagawea, and um, so books like that that are meant for kids, but they're real people, and they approach those kinds of, um, you know, cultural issues. But so, yeah, so I feel like as parents, sometimes it's easy sometimes it's easy to pick what's easy <laughs> um, yeah. especially in the majority culture like it's easy to be like oh we'll do this show that has all the fun animal characters or whatever um, or like you know their cars or their different you know inanimate object kind of things but it's like you know but what about those shows and those books that are that reflect more of your child's reality um, and I think I think that's really really important too you know wow I love that I had to write that quote down it's easy to pick what is easy <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. And there, there was something else we were doing. We were, Hannah and I were coloring one day and um, it was just this little big coloring book with princesses and, you know, clearly princesses are a theme in our house, whether like Apparently it or not. So, yeah. <laughs> I tried, but princesses are her thing. Like, what about astronauts? Yeah, right. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I like astronauts and dinosaurs. Cool. What do you want to be for Halloween? A princess. Like, ah. <laughs> Really? Although, quick tidbit, funny thing yeah. the other day, she and my husband were playing king and queen. And she wanted to be the queen, but she couldn't remember the word for king. And she, so she kept saying all day, she was like, I'm going to be the queen. And daddy, you're the, what's a boy queen? Like, what's a boy queen? And I was like, king. Awesome. It made me so happy that it wasn't the other it. way around. It was like, right. Yes. Queen is very important too. Yes. Um. Anyway, so back to my princess coloring mm. book story. So you know, she was coloring a princess and I was coloring a princess and I purposely chose to color my princess with a brown marker to make her an African-American princess. Why not? Mm -hmm. Right. But like growing up, we never did that. Like it's just, you know, skin tone was peach or, you know, whatever. I mean, it was this color. Skin tone mm -hmm. was never a, a brown color. And, um, and it actually threw her off for a minute. And, and I don't remember exactly what she said, but just kind of something like, you know, I don't know, just, she made some comment about me not really coloring her. She didn't say the right way, but I, I don't, honestly, I really don't remember, but it kind of like took me back. I was like, what? Like, she gave me a black princess? <laughs> Have I taught you nothing? Right. <laughs> um, but then she loved it. And then she was like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing too. So she took a brown, the brown, same brown marker mm -hmm. and started coloring her princess the same way. And so then we had these two black princesses on this um, coloring book, but Wow. You know, it's things like that that are I think are so important because that's the stuff that's kind of like even in that moment it, I mean that took her a second 
-hmm. even even as a family that you know tries to do this multicultural thing very intentionally it still was kind of for her was like you know and that might just be literally because she's just looking at her own skin and that's not her skin yeah um but i would bring up you know at her school she goes to a preschool um that's very beautifully diverse and teachers kids everybody um, so I started mentioning people that she loves that has that skin color. I mean, and you're one of those people. So I mentioned you and I was like, well, you know, Miss Nikki has brown skin. <laughs> and you know, I mentioned these other, you know, friends of hers. And, yeah. and she was like, yeah, uh-huh. And then like went on about her day. But that's what it is for kids. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. And then, you know, it doesn't have to be this huge moment, you know, right. um, even if I want it to be. And I'm like, let me preach to you about this. And, you know, kids are like, okay, mom, like, let's just color, please. Right. But, but yeah, it's those little moments, I think, mm -hmm. that um, really help her start to see it and see the normalization of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that it's not, a, a, it's, it's a big deal that we should be doing as parents, but it's not, a, it shouldn't be a big deal for kids. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be anything. It should just be, that's life. Yeah. I was going to ask you how you and Michael stay on the same page about this as parents, but it, it kind of, I mean, you sort of already answered it. Um, it seems like th this is what I love about what you're saying is this is who you guys are. Yeah. Like period. So um, it's easy, but not e easy, easy is a easy word, but um, <laughs> you know, to, to be able to pass it on to Hannah, cause you're just passing on to her who you guys are. Right. Um, what, what would you suggest to a person listening who maybe up until this point maybe they have a four or five year old or even a 10 year old mm -hmm. and have has lived in a very uh monocultural world what are a couple of things that you might suggest for them to start to move from monocultural mm. to some sort of multicultural i think the first thing which kind of goes back to the stuff with my husband um it has to start with you um, it can't be something that you just tell your kids to do, but you don't do it yourself. Um, so, I mean, it can be done at the same time, absolutely. But, you know, any parent knows that if you tell your child to do something, you know, if I tell her to wash her hands before dinner, but I don't wash my hands before dinner, she's not never going to take it seriously or she's not going to do it or she's going to fight back on it. So um, the very first thing would be to figure out your own feelings, um, if there's things that you need to work through. And the best thing, in my opinion, is to build relationships with people that don't look like you. Um, that really is, I mean, that that's where things started with me when I, you know, really had some deep friendships with people um, and relationships with people that weren't of my culture. And um, that really started to bridge the gap and kind of highlight some things and give me some space to realize how like you know like realizing that i do have white privilege whether i want to admit that or not um but those are things i needed to do first to then be able to move forward well so from again it kind of comes always comes back to books for me and maybe that's just the way our family is you're really like reading my daughter really likes reading but it's such an easy place to start and we would go to our local library and then i I have a book problem. I buy way too many books for, for my kid. So I was like, we should start just doing the library so I don't, you know, give her a library like 
Beauty and the Beast is enormous library my child's going to have by the age of like six. Right. Um, <laughs> but so we would just go to the library and they had, um, she was a little younger and they had board books. And I, and I remember they were just like, it literally was just multicultural. Um, like every page was another baby from a different culture. And it was just great. And I don't even, I don't even know if it had any words, honestly, but I loved it. And it was just like, and it, I mean, this was obviously when she was younger, but just to give her like, here's some faces to look at that don't look like yours. Um, but books are such a great resource for kids and they absorb it. And like I said, they'll like, they'll get so into a story or a movie or a show and not even like register that the child doesn't look like them. Um, and I, I think that's really important. And then also, like I touched on before about building relationships, that should come into your home too. So um, if you're able to, and, and hopefully people are living in areas where they can connect with people of other cultures, but even if not, even if it's um, something, you know, like on a Zoom call or FaceTime or something, but just some way to bring people that don't look like you into your home and show them that love and show them that care. And, you know, I love having the blessing of being able to bring people that don't look like me into our home, have them over for dinner, have conversations with them. And Hannah sees all that. Mm -hmm. And so she is going to grow up. That's just going to be her normal. That right. We right. always had, you know, that she, you know, and again, I know we're lucky where we live, but she's able to play on the street with kids that don't look like her. Um, we chose a private school for her to start kindergarten next year. And diversity was huge for us. Mm. Um, and not just in, you know, like custodial staff, but also with like actual teachers, mm -hmm. leaders in the school, um, and that it was intentional and not just, oh, we just happen to live in a diverse county. So there just happens to be diverse people here. Um, but it needs, especially coming from uh, being white in the majority culture, we have to be intentional with injecting it into our lives and into our kids' lives all the time because otherwise it's so easy to just be like whatever this is just the world like it's not my fault that everyone's white around me like I didn't pick my skin color you know it's really easy to just kind of play that ignorant or that lazy card and our kids deserve more than that and mm. you know for those of us that grew up not living in a multicultural household or community or school it's it's much harder to break into that when you're older um, I know for me, um, it's been a blessing getting to be able to do that, but I have a lot of fears. I have a lot of things, you know, that hold me back here and that I really have to push through that probably wouldn't be as intense um, if it was just what I always knew or if I always had that support system in my family. Um, so, yeah, so any time relationship can be built and done so in a way that it's in front of your kids with your mm -hmm. kids involved. Mm -hmm. Not just your kids making friends with people that don't look like them, but you doing it. Mm -hmm. um, or if it starts with your kids, get to know their parents, um, you know, and bring them in or invite them to the birthday party, you know, something a little easier. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it has to start with the parents and then the kids just naturally follow. It doesn't even really need to be a real conversation. It's, that's just what they know. Becky, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad that there are people like you and Michael in the world uh, that are so intentional with your children and not only just in the realm of, uh, you know, helping them to be a multiculturally minded person, um, but just a, like I said, just a stellar human being. So 
um, thank you for that. Uh, and just want to bless you uh, for all of your good work and to let you know that every decision that you all are making around her and even around things that you do as a couple, it's making a difference and bringing more beauty into the world um, and into this space. So I'm glad that I get to know you in this life uh, and Hannah and Michael Mm -hmm. and uh, just really grateful for all of the, the insight that you shared today. Thank you for the, the generosity of that. You know, I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about my family and, you know, it's, it's important that everyone figures out how they feel about things and can move forward in that. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.